You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. And I know I mentioned last week, Crossover Thursdays was going to be the new thing. Browns Bengals are playing Thursday night. So hopefully for the final time, perhaps ever, Crossover Wednesday brought to you by NFL Game Pass this season. Got football on your uh, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Like I said, we're going to cross it over. And again, this will probably be, you know, this will certainly be the last time for this season. We'll see how 2021 further plays out on your crossover edition of Lockdown Browns. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd from Sports Illustrated, from Lockdown Brown, uh, Lockdown Bangles. Get confused because he was here for with us for a little while, folks, covering some Browns. <laughs> um, but now he's back home. James Rapian. James, first off, how's everything going? Uh, you know, obviously it's been, you know, a, a crazy seven, eight months. How you holding up? And obviously, you know, back now, maybe where you're a little bit comfortable. And I remember, I remember towards the end of 18, James, where you were. And definitely a, a, a bigger, brighter horizon as far as covering the Cincinnati Bengals these days. No doubt about it. There's hope, right? I, you know, I'm doing well personally. There's football. And that's all I've been hoping for, for what, what seems like all of 2020, which, you know, has, has been a, the longest year ever. Um, but yeah, I, there, there's hope again. And you mentioned 2018. I think Bengals fans right now are feeling what Browns fans felt. And I know they haven't won a game yet, but right before Baker went in on that Thursday night against the Jets, right? Because they, they have seen him and they did see him flash. And I know they didn't win on Sunday, but but it's it's sort of the same thing because there's hope again. In the same way Baker was that beacon for the Browns, uh, Burrow is that and maybe a little more uh, for the Bengals because, you know, they, they haven't, the Browns have won a playoff game more recently than the Bengals. So yeah, Burrow is certainly a beacon of hope. All right. Let's get, dig a little bit more in here. Um, we got to see him Sunday and I'll be honest without the fact that, you know, there was, you know, no preseason reps, the fact that it was such an accelerated summer, you know, granted the uh, shovel plus, whatever. I mean, and if that if that's, you know, I mean, that's one where you, you don't even have to sit him down. You don't even have to watch the fill. It's more of a, Joe, right? We're not going to do that again, right? All right, good. All right, we'll move on to the next page. Um, and, you know, there were obviously some concerns with, you know, the pass protection, which we're going to go into this. He sacrificed a lot to get Joe at one when you were still developing. And, you know, I think people forget that Jonah Williams, that was his first NFL game as well. But talk a little bit about, you know, I mean, there is a new sheriff in town in Cincinnati. Um, the initial reviews were good. I still would have gone for it. I wouldn't have kicked the field goal. You know, the theory I've always lived with is you play to win at home and you play to tie on the road. But, you know, new quarterback, hopefully a new horizon. Tell us a little about your boy. Overall, I think he was impressive. You're right. The shovel pass was awful. And I hope I never see anything like that again. But the context matters, and this is the scary part when you're talking about Joe Burrow, is the offensive line got its tail kicked in, specifically in the first half. And by the third and fourth quarters, I get it. Joe's pressing a little bit, and he's been under pressure, and he's using that athleticism and rolling out. And he had over 40 yards rushing, which is something, honestly, 
I could do without. Like, I hope he doesn't have to do that anymore. And, and obviously his first uh, touchdown in the NFL was a, an audible, a quarterback draw at the middle, and I'm not knocking him for any of that. But I just don't want him to be running from Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon on Thursday night all night. I mean, that's the key. As far as Joe himself, yeah, he, he missed a couple deep balls, but the, the way he processed the game, the way he took his lumps, the way he responded to that interception, the very next drive down three, leads the Bengals on a 14-play, 80-plus yard drive down to the three-yard line, goes 8 of 11 for 70 yards. And, and this is a Chargers team. A lot of people especially probably listening to this because, let's be honest, how much you know in Cleveland do you watch the Chargers? I know in Cincinnati you don't. I lived in Cleveland for a couple of years, and guess what? The Chargers weren't must-watch. They're loaded. I mean, they got two of the best pass rushers in the game in Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. And they have three really good corners, two really high-end corners in Hayward, who was following around A.J. Green all day. And Tyler Boyd had to deal with Chris Harris Jr. I mean, that's tough. And so I think Burrow hung in there. He played well. And I expect him to play well on Thursday. And I expect him to hit a couple of those those deep shots if they get the the moment and the opportunity is right. So I was impressed with him. Uh, I don't think he's satisfied. He better not be satisfied because uh, last year, the Bengals, I know they were riding high after a one-point loss to the Seahawks on the road. And then they uh, came back and people were feeling good. And I think there were home favorites against the 49ers and the San Francisco 49ers beat them by about a million. So they better show up on Thursday night uh, in front of 6,000 fans at First Energy Stadium. Give or take a million. Um, <laughs> now with... You know, the selection of Burrow and then obviously T. Higgins in the second, you know, round. And this is one in, you know, you, Jake, and I, we have our little fun with this on Twitter. I think they're in a tough spot here with AJ Green because he is one of the franchise's greatest players. Um, but you also have to look at AJ Green is yes, all right, if he's here, obviously he's a huge part of this. But they have young receivers. And I also think where I want to go to this and maybe make it twofold is the young receivers, which probably explains why they are you know, a little bit lacking on the offensive line with the depth that they do have at receiver. Um, so that can be addressed, obviously, in year two. But I also think it was for you know the Bengals staff, it was, all right, we finally got to see them. You know, now let's, you know, what, you know, because everybody right now, I mean, what's incorporated in your offense? Maybe 50%. Maybe for these better teams like Baltimore, Kansas City, the more established teams, you know, obviously a higher number. But now you, you got a glimpse of, okay, this is what he seems comfortable with at this point. Okay, so this is what, you know, and obviously this week is going to be abbreviated. This is what maybe we can add, you know, two, three, four, five more things in for next week. And, you know, how is that going to parlay? And it is in a little bit of a difficult spot for Joe with having all of these wide receivers because you're trying to learn all these guys on the fly. And the problem is AJ missed most of camp. He tweaked his hamstring on the first day of full padded practice to your point. And while I think he was good to go and he could have practiced, they're like, Nope. Hey, bubble wrap him. And he didn't appear in the scrimmage. He didn't do much 11 on 11 until game week. Same thing goes for John Ross, who unfortunately had to leave camp early because of his three-year-old son contracting coronavirus. So he missed uh, over a week of practice then. And then uh, he came back. His son is healthy. Um, he came back to camp and tweaked his elbow, landing awkwardly, trying to die for a or jumping up in the air to make a contested catch because he's got a lot to prove this year. And so he missed some a lot of reps with Burrow as well. So it was tough. I think that's the part 
that the guys will never admit, right? That the the preseason reps matter, right? An offseason matters. And they didn't have it. And when you're talking about a rookie quarterback and a receiver in in AJ Green who hasn't played in nearly two years, in in, in his first full game was Sunday um, in literally 23 months, which is insane to me. But that's just the reality. And then a guy like Ross, who is is so speedy and getting on the same page as him, I just think it was uh, was a lot to ask. And here's the thing. If you're the Browns, you look at that and say, well, they're not getting on the same page in three days. They, they got off the field at Paul Brown Stadium at around 745 Eastern time Sunday evening after a heartbreaking loss. I, when do they have the time between then and Wednesday when they travel up to Cleveland to get on the same page? I, I know Joe was like, man, I – I got to get my throws in on Tuesday. And he was wondering when he was going to have time to just get his throws in. So I think, um, I think that is something to watch going into this game. They, they have the, I think the fire to, to play well and the, the desire to, but uh, it, it is going to be tough to get on the same page on a short week after a Sunday where they were clearly a tick off. And it's the same thing, you know, on the Cleveland side of the ball, because you're looking at it and it's, you know, Granted, and look, it's Baltimore, and, and so many facets didn't look great. And it's like, well, now we got to correct this. This is, I mean, for either team, you know, zero and two here, and this loss is yeah. the one that possibly could have been, you know, accepted because not, you know, not much can happen in this short amount of time frame. But you know, both teams here now are, you know, in a in a bad position because you know, unless something quirky happens, somebody's walking out of there zero and two. I tell you what, just one more thing before we flip it on over. Defensive side. I mean, we know we know the names. We know who's been there. Who's somebody new Browns fans should be looking out for Thursday night on this Bengals defense? He's actually the most important player on the Bengals defense on, on Thursday. It's DJ Reader for a variety of reasons. One, the Browns have the best running back tandem in the NFL. And I'm not saying it because I'm on Locked On Browns. I'm saying it because that's the reality. You got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and they are studs. And I love their game. And if I'm Kevin Stefanski, I look at the Bengals injury report this week, and I see Geno Atkins, who had his 96 consecutive game streak, games played streak end on Sunday against the Chargers. He hasn't practiced yet. And I would be shocked, as we record this, shocked if he plays Thursday night. So the eight-time Pro Bowler in the middle – Probably not going to be there next to DJ Reader. Oh, so the backup, Mike Daniels, he tweaked his groin last week, played through it against the Chargers. I'd say it's 50-50 on a short week. You get 31-year-old guy playing on a groin that, you know, is clearly hurting him. So if they're down Daniels and they're down Atkins, that means you're talking about DJ Reader in the middle of that defense with Christian Covington. Andrew Brown, I'm sure you guys, most of your listeners haven't heard of those guys. They, they traded for Christian Covington last week. And uh, Andrew Brown, I like him, but he certainly isn't, you know, Mike Daniels in the middle and certainly isn't Geno Atkins. So I think that's really the key. One, DJ Reader needs to stay on the field because I think he's he can clog up the running lanes and he is that good against the run that as long as he's out there, he can limit things. But if he's not, and we saw him miss one series against the Chargers, and it was Eckler, Eckler, Josh Kelly, Eckler, Eckler. It was their one touchdown drive of the game. And so that's kind of the blueprint here. If the Bengals are shorthanded in the trenches and I'm the Browns, I'm running it right at them and running it right at them and right at them. And maybe Reader slows it down early on, 
But by that third quarter, by the middle of the fourth quarter, I think it's going to be Hunt and Chubb and it's just going to be really tough and you're putting pressure on a young linebacker unit as well. So that would be my game plan. And, and that's kind of the, the the key guy, I think, for the Bengals is a guy like DJ Reader. Can he slow down that rushing attack, especially if, you know, Atkins and Daniels can't go? It would be interesting if they switch it up because the one strong point of the Browns Sunday was the offensive line play. And, you know, Wyatt Teller seems to keep progressing. J.C. Treader, Joel Batonio, obviously everybody knows these names. If it comes down an opportunity where you're just going two-on-one on rear and somebody to take care of, you know, Covington or Brown, obviously it's going to favor well. And thank you for the video I put up on Twitter on Sunday where I said it should be nothing about running the ball. That's what you <laughs> do. I mean, yes, I understand Odell Beckham's here, but I don't think people understand the special the talent that exists with this running back core. We're going to flip it up here. We're going to talk a little Browns here with James Rapian and, you know, uh, you know, Guys, you know, look, uh, that'll get out on Locked On Bangles, so make sure you look out for that and appreciate always. It's been fun with James here, and when we first started doing this, you know, the Bengals were better in 17. Then in 18, the Browns were, you know, t- taking a step up, and then James obviously, you know, doing what he was doing, came to Cleveland for a while, and here we are. Look, both franchises think they, you know, want to climb up the rankings in the AFC North. We're going to see how that all plays out in the coming weeks and months of 2020. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the likes of Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. James? I muted myself while you were reading. What's up? I didn't, I didn't want to, like, hit the mic or something to ruin your read. <laughs> <laughs> Good chat, a little Browns, I guess? Yeah. You want me to lead this one? Or... Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Where to start? Where to start? Okay. I'm ready. You ready? Yes. Is it with number six? Uh, I mean, I think we have to start there. I think we do. It's it's the talk of the town. Yes, it is yeah. the talk of the town. All right. Counting down in three, two, and one. Let's keep things rolling here with this Battle of Ohio crossover on a short week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And let's switch gears, talk about the Cleveland Browns, who are 0-1 The past 48, you know, 72 hours, depending on when you're listening to this, has been, oh, my God, it's the same old Browns, the same old Browns, Baker Mayfield, you know, all that hype. It's year after year after year. I've seen so many gifs, Jeff. Let's start with number six, Baker Mayfield. This was supposed to be it. The fourth coach was supposed to be the charm and Kevin Stefanski. They go out there against uh, Baltimore and lay an egg. How concerned are you about the former Heisman Trophy winner? 
I, I can't say that I'm concerned. And this is, you know, where I kind of got into a little bit on social media with everybody is I, I look, there wasn't the stars weren't stars on Sunday, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt for the amount they played were and the amount they were involved, which, you know, once the game got out of hand, you understood that was going to happen. Miles Garrett didn't really have a great day. Odell Beckham Jr. Didn't really have a great day. They spent a ton of money on Austin Hooper. Beckham, Hooper were the best two looking receivers in all of Brown's training camp. It didn't click on Sunday. So, you know, and you know, you get to other parts of the defense. BJ Goodson brought in, and you know, look, he had a nice camp. You know, Sunday was not indicative of, and it was more indicative of the player BJ Goodson was. You were down players within the secondary. I just don't understand how everybody, you know, you've got to take it week by week, game by game, month by month. I just don't know how everything turned into it was on Baker. You know, granted, you know, there was, you know, everybody with the first interception. And, you know, yes, I understand if Clayus Campbell drops in a spy coverage. Yeah, you should see him. He's like Shaq on a football field. He's really, really hard to miss. But more of my question is, is it's third down. Why is why is there, you know, a feature play for Kadero Hodge? Like that didn't seem to make any sense. I mean, yeah, he's a nice role player, but you have Landry. You have Hooper. You had Njoku. Landry, I mean, the backs. It, it just – and maybe this is because you don't have, a, you know, a certain percentage and getting back to what we talked about earlier of what it actually is in of the offense to this point. So you get there and it, you, you get some confusion. But, yes, look, it's always going to be on the quarterback. I do understand that. And there's times where you see the grip it and rip it Baker of 2018 that everybody fell in love with. And you don't want to say, oh, well, you know, coaching and you keep changing the system and this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, there's been quarterbacks who succeeded and risen above those scenarios in the past. Look, it's on Baker. And then now, you know, everybody's coming to Cottle and say, look, look at Kirk Cousins last year. And it took a while before he got going and then eventually put up great numbers. I really haven't lost faith in Baker Mayfield. And I talked about this on last night's episode when Mark Sessler joined us is, I think what this Browns team needs, and I'm, I'm going to go back to it again, you know, like, you know, remember the Titans when he took them on the jog for, you know, six miles in the woods, <laughs> this team needs some way to find a way to not just be individual great players, become a football team. And neither team may cross this threshold Thursday night. Having those 10 days off before week three could do tremendous amount for both teams, but where Baker is at right now, it's, Yes, it's it, it's always going to be on Baker. It's always going to be on the quarterback. But there were so many other factors that went into it on Sunday. And then when you have a team like the Ravens with the secondary they have where they just say, all right, we don't have to worry about you know the biggest threat you guys have on offense anymore. Guess what? All right, we're going to play four quarters on D. Yeah, and to me, that's – look, the Ravens are damn good. I don't know how many people are expecting the Browns to win – but that was my takeaway is, yeah, Lamar's better. And this defense, you know, maybe they didn't need uh, Earl Thomas. Maybe they're still great and teams should stop giving up, you know, guys like Calias Campbell for fifth round picks, which was a, such a steal. It's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I, I my takeaway was more the Ravens are really damn good and they're going to be a problem and they have a chip on their shoulder and Lamar's better than he was last year. That being said, I have been in Cleveland. And I get how how things can snowball. And and I saw it 
certainly saw it last year with Freddie Kitchens. And, and here's the thing. Kevin Stefanski isn't Freddie Kitchens because he's organized. Like that, that's the difference. Like I bet Freddie Kitchens office uh, at 76 Lugrosa Boulevard was awful. Like I, I used to joke about it when I, I worked up in Cleveland that, man, I'm sure it was full of like fast food wrappers and stuff just because he he reminds me of that disorganized type guy. And that might not be Couple fair. Little varmints running around. J- just just a messy dude that, you know, oh, where's my playbook? You know, where where's my pen? Where's my Kevin Stefanski isn't that right. Andrew Barry isn't that. And, and so I think they're going to respond well and play well. But here's my my side of it from a Bengals perspective. If the Bengals go down opening drive and they score and then they force Baker, uh, to, to, you know, and the Browns to go three and out. I think there's going to be so much pressure. No one expects a damn thing from the Bengals this season, right? Nothing. The Browns, this is supposed to be the year. So for the past four days, they've been, they've heard how it's the same old Browns. You hear these murmurs and chirps and I don't think they're true, but trade Odell, should they trade Odell and all that stuff is already starting. It's literally one loss. Is Baker the guy? There's Trevor Lawrence talk, all this stuff. If the Brett, if the Bengals punch them in the mouth right away, I do wonder how they respond. I think if the Browns come out swinging and score early, whether it's in the run game, which again, I think that's what they should do. Uh, and I said that on your show. I, I just, that that's going to really dictate this matchup to me. Am, am I crazy there? Like, do you think the Browns counter if they get punched in the mouth? Because I'm not sure they will because they've heard how bad they were, not just the past four days, the past year in four days. Well, this is exactly what happened last year is and this was part of the, you know, the jokes about Freddie where the scripted plays were fantastic and then everything basically went down the toilet afterwards. And, you know, can they take a punch? And this we always, you know, you talk about boxers. Can they take a punch? We They showed in 2019 they were completely incapable of doing that. Now here in 2020, you know, they've taken their first punch. And if there was that chance there, and it did feel sort of Freddie Kitchen this, you know, right before half, Odell dropped the third and two. It led to the Cybert missed field goal. And, you know, all of a sudden, guess what? Before you turn around, Baltimore's in the end zone again. And guess what? They were getting the ball to half. And it was, you know, lights out, sayonara. It was just the way it worked, even though the Browns defense did respond with a three and out to begin the second half. It was, they just, they need to string together positives because I don't know if they can take the punch right now. I mean, are they more of a boxer where they need to win, you know, 10 out of 12 rounds to win? Because it doesn't seem like they're throwing power punches at this point. And that is the part that concerns me the most we're going to get to a couple of thoughts here James and I and it's going to be interesting because I know you Browns fans where you are Austin Seibert is probably going to kick a 60 yarder into the dog pound end Thursday night we'll see if Austin Seibert can even be a part of that game but a couple more things coming here Jeff Lloyd James Rapian chain stores have different price tiers for different professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they are reliably low RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, similar to what the airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on 
in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. James, uh, you know, obviously the Cyber Edition and both teams, uh, you know, obviously for the Browns, obviously the Bengals on Sunday, you know, crucial kicks missed. So Austin Seibert is brought in and injuries certainly on both sides, you know, some dinged up going into it. But now with this big, quick turnaround, um, some thoughts here about, you know, the way this could possibly play out. And yes, I mean, I hope you guys are ready because there's going to be 6,000 in that dog pound. And it was even funny because <laughs> I didn't even realize there were people in Denver last night until my wife kind of like poked me like a third time. Look, there are a couple of people in the, I was like, oh man! I mean, it literally looked—it looked like it looked like a freshman football game in high school, <laughs> where it was like, "There's mom, there's dad, and you know, Uncle Bill." But I mean, you know, obviously the crowd will have nothing to do with it. But it's—it's it's an important game for both teams because it's the opportunity to steal a W while neither team is maybe there yet. But it's that audacity of having to ride out another ten days of being zero and two. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine Cleveland going 0 and 2. Like the, the blowback, the pushback, the talk, because it's, it's like a mini buy, right? So Friday is going to be mayhem, Saturday, Sunday, and then you have a whole nother week. And I, I forget. And there's the no Browns. Ohio State for anybody to go watch to get to feel better Nothing. about themselves on Saturday. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing. So, like, when we talk about like pressure, and I, I just, I think it is all on one side it's all on 100%. Odell Beckham Jr all on Baker Mayfield all on Kevin Stefanski now th- there could be some pressure if the Bengals go out there and score 3 points and Zach Taylor's awful and it seems like the offensive line you know there's a scenario where things get rough for the Bengals but right now that isn't the case like people are still optimistic following their loss in Cleveland it's like well, I was listening to radio earlier this week and it, it, would uh I, I think there were calls for um Case Keenum already. It's one oh, game. Absolutely. One game. Yes. So that, yeah, from a pressure standpoint, I think uh, I think it's all on Cleveland. But I, I will say, as far as Austin Seibert, if he plays for the Bengals Thursday, then something went really, really wrong. The Bengals claimed him as insurance. He, he's an umbrella policy. They, they don't plan on using it, and it was cheap, and they could claim him. And I wouldn't be shocked if they just claim him for Thursday, and then he's gone. But they claimed him because if, if Randy Bullock can't go, their options were really limited because of the COVID-19 policy of course. In, in getting active in time for Thursday. Uh, because, you know, the COVID-19 protocol, it takes at least three days. So they did that because Cybert's been tested. He's continuing to be tested right now. And I, I, I would imagine when he was in Cleveland, even after he got released Monday, like on Tuesday, he still got tested for COVID-19 at Brown's facilities, believe it or not. I, I, I would believe that that would be the case. So he would be eligible to get claimed somewhere else. So I, I just think he's a backup plan. Who knows what happens to him? Um, but but I don't expect to see him kicking any field goals, unless it's during warm-ups uh, in the dog pound at First Energy Stadium on Thursday. Well, that was the interesting part, because when the Browns' initial practice squad came out, it was like, well, what are you doing with Cody Parkey? And then when he actually dug into it, it was like, you know what? This isn't the worst thing in the world. It gives you three specialists. So mm-hmm. God forbid something happens to one of them, you know, and it was always the NFL. Hey, you know what? Your kicker's not feeling good on Saturday morning. All right, well, let's just go down to the nearest corner and find a Luis and De Haas or whatever kicker's not available and he can kick first tomorrow. It doesn't work that way in 2020. 
So, you know, so for the Browns to do this on a short week, um, you know, and I'm assuming their guess was, hey, we'll just stash him back on the practice squad and we'll figure this thing out again, you know, come week three after 10 days. But Cincinnati, hey, little gamesmanship. There's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, Kevin Stefanski has been doing this to this point as well. But, you know, just interesting because, you know, the Browns tried to make it a, you know, we have a backup plan that will at least have two guys who can kick footballs when the games come. So interesting how that came. Um, James, how are you and Jake doing over there? You guys enjoy oh, we're, it? You guys? we're good. Yeah, man. It's, it's fun. It's fun to talk about Joe Burrow. And, uh, and speaking of Joe Burrow, while, while I got you, I have to ask because I the past five months or so, obviously I've been focused on the Bengals and not uh, the Browns. But – uh, I look at this team, two things. One, I was impressed with what they did on the offensive line. You said they played well week one. Was that the case? How did the rookie do? And what are the Bengals going to be dealing with here in the trenches? Wyatt Teller has really, really stepped up. And this is what a guy we were speaking on all offseason. He played well down the stretch last year. And you know, through some you know folks I spoke with is – it turned out that Bill Callahan absolutely loved Wyatt Teller coming out of Virginia Tech. So everybody wanted to talk about this competition at right guard, and then a bunch of these guards opted out for the Browns. It doesn't seem like there was ever a competition there. Wyatt Teller had played strong towards the end of last year, had an, a new offensive line coach who's already a fan of his. You bring in Conklin. You had Batonio and Shredder. Wills, the funniest thing is nobody talked about Jedrick Wills on Sunday, and there was – questions you know th- through camp and look part of it is is miles garrett is you know going to make anybody head anybody's head spin at the left tackle position and it looked more like he was thinking before reacting the only time we really spoke about jedrick wills on sunday is when we noticed he was out of the game is you know with the bruise and with the shin that's the only time it was spoken about so it was like hey that's good because even though he's the 10th overall pick jedrick wills essentially is only being asked to be the fourth or fifth fourth or fifth best offensive lineman on this team. So that's really, that was really a good thing. He practiced a tiny bit yesterday. He was on the practice field, you know, today. I think they really avoided it here. It seems like, you know, if he's been able to at least be limited in the last two days, he'll be a part of this. And like you said, and like I said, I'm telling you guys, run first, pass when you have to, and put yourselves in better situations. You know, I understand they, they, they're in a position right now where it's, you know, and Najoku, which surprisingly, after everything went on this summer, was one of the stars of Sunday. But, of course, now he's at a minimum of three weeks. They have so much at the skill position. Don't ignore the simplicity of it. If your offensive line is good, they block the run well, then just feature the running backs. And, you know, and Odell said it today. The only thing I care about is winning and then producing. Okay. So, if – the Browns run the ball 35 times Thursday night. Let's see where you're at if they can pull out a win. But the offensive line is there. They have two high-priced wide receivers. You know, for Minnesota, they moved on from that where Kevin Stefanski came from. We'll see how it works out here. But, you know, that's it. always kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. And for right now, that should be what they are, you know, featuring. Last thing for me, and I want to switch sides because I I look at this Browns defense and obviously they're strong along that defensive line. I mean, you got Ogunjobi, obviously Miles Garrett, who has been the subject of of talk in Cincinnati along with Bosa and Ingram because those are the two first two weeks uh, of pass rushers that these these Bengals offensive line has to face. We've talked about it for months. Um, But but it's not just that. you got Olivier Vernon. Uh, The the Browns obviously – 
feel good about Denzel Ward. Um, but but I look at this team and I, I look at those linebackers. And if I'm the Bengals, that's the spot. That's where I'm targeting. I'm going to try to get Boyd involved. I'm going to try to get matchups on these linebackers, mix in Bernard, uh, any of the receivers, obviously, even the tight ends. Is that true? How's the safeties just overall outside of the defensive line, which we all know is great? How is this Browns defense? Well, what you look at here, um, and it's funny because they were deep at cornerback in camp. and But because of injuries to Kevin Johnson's, because of injuries to Greedy Williams, they ended up where they weren't able to keep, you know, they loved all the corners and all these corners played great, but you know, Greedy Williams was injured. You knew he was going to make it. Kevin Johnson injured. You knew he was going to make it. Grant Delpit was probably the key below. Joe Woods spoke about him and it was such a limited amount of time, but every time he spoke about him, he was kind of like his secondary chess piece. He was going to play him up against the line. He was going to use him on tight ends. He was going to use him on backs. He was going to use him as an on the roof safety and losing Grant Elpit was a huge, huge blow for them. Now you're already down, Mac Wilson. You're down, Jacob Phillips. You know, Taki Taki, what you do with Sioni Taki Taki is find people, hit people. He is that type <laughs> of linebacker. He's physical. And I, yeah, I know you know this a little bit. Go find people, hit. He is that guy. BJ Goodson, you know, he's just not there. But the Browns have made this a point that, you know, linebackers are not going to be a highly valued position as far as monetary distribution. And, you know, granted, Taki Taki and Goodson took most of the reps on Sunday, and they're going to play a lot of nickel. They're going to play a lot of dime. But Greedy still hasn't practiced, and which is – he's been day-to-day now for about three weeks. Um, and then you go to, you know, Ke- uh, Kevin Johnson, where I – you know, with the lacerated liver, it was always going to be a week-to-week thing. So if he's not practicing today, he's obviously not playing Thursday night. And I'm assuming they're looking at that, pro, you know, that sweet spot of hopefully week three with another 10 days. They're they're outmanned a little bit. You know, I mean, you know what Denzel can do, but this is something that does concern me because the Bengals can just say, all right, well, we can put out whatever wide receivers we want. All right, who's got – Denzel's got him? Okay, we'll work the other two, three, mm-hmm. four that are on the field because, you know, there's a lot of chaos. I mean, they played Tavier Thomas a ton on Sunday. And God bless Tavier Thomas. He tried. He really, really tried. But he's a great special teams player. Cornerback, what did the Ravens do? Looked over and said, all right, there's 20. And they went after him. And they went after him hard. And it led to a lot of success for the Ravens. And not getting either one of these cornerbacks. And it'll be interesting who gets elevated this week from the practice squad. Do they bring up the rookie, A.J. Green? Maybe you want to give him another 10 days. But that's certainly something that concerns me. And the defensive line, you got to do a little bit more with the amount of guys that are there. Sheldon Richardson, who you know didn't mention, obviously, just because you were bringing up a bunch of names. But mm-hmm. Sheldon, Larry Ogunjobi, probably had his greatest week since 2018, almost yeah, two years well. since he looked like he did. And he was, and it's weird because Larry's doing this thing now where he keeps losing weight, but getting stronger, getting quicker. You know, everybody loves that Aaron Donald approach to the defensive line position. <laughs> and Larry Ogunjobi seems to be, you know, absolutely 100% in on that um but he had a great day and then there's jordan elliott then there's porter gustin then there's adrian claiborne so they're deep they're deep at the defensive line but this defensive line has got to start making a little bit more of a name for themselves because i think they had a lot relied upon this defensive line Uh, i buy it and is it crazy jeff to think because the way you just described it and the way i'm looking at the Bengals being beat up in the, the trenches in the defensive line and the weapons the browns have I know these two teams only combined for 19 points in week one. Is there a shot we could see a bunch of points in the Battle of Ohio? 
I think I think it probably resonates that way because you think in this scenario, offense is probably going to just have the advantage because I mean, how much film are you truly watching? And the, you know, I mean, how many reps are you truly getting on a practice field? The way things are right now, it's it's definitely just you know, it, it, it should make for a fun Thursday night game, except for whatever team probably comes out on the wrong end of it. Guys, we're going to put a bow on this. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, James, James, fantastic. Actually, you know, check everything out. As you guys know, Pete, you know, uh, who's here a lot, you know, works with SI.com. James does the same thing for the Bengals over at, you know, SI.com. Does a fantastic job. You know, a lot of work, you know, putting out five, six pieces a day, whatever news comes the way, check that out. James and Jake, fantastic job. They always, you know, they, they have their own niche now at Locked On Bengals, and you can definitely hear it in their voices when they're doing it, you know, feeling a lot more promised, uh, you know, about the state of the team, the future of the team. So make sure you're following James and everything he does. Um, all Bangles, James, correct? All Bangles.com. Yes, sir. Yeah, all right. So make sure you're checking that out. Uh, we'll put a bow on this one here. We will be ready to kick off in probably less than 48 hours. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.